On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I tell the story of how a hospital visit gave me perspective this week. I discuss why the stories we tell ourselves are bullshit, and I talk about the moment that I realised I'm living my dream. What's going on? I hope you're well. We're back again. This is episode number six of Life and Lessons. If you're new here, hello, I'm Sean Spooner and here's what you need to know. For the next 52 weeks between the ages of 24 and 25, I'm going to be recording and releasing a weekly podcast to chart, to see, to record just how much life can change in a year. This is the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and it's a completely honest view into my life as I take on some fairly unusual things. And this episode here is all about week number six in that journey. Now hopefully you already knew that because you're a regular listener and if you are, welcome back. Thanks again for being here. Uh, I hope you've been well since we spoke last week. Uh, Just before we get into it, please forgive the fact that I'm speaking in a slightly more hushed tone than usual. Uh, The time is uh, just before midnight. I'm back at home in Corby as of a few hours ago. Just got back from a dinner with a client uh, and this podcast gets released in approximately four and a half hours time. And so I've just sat here, uh, written some notes on this very quickly. And now whilst everybody else in the house sleeps, I am going to get this recorded and uploaded before it needs to go out. So if it sounds like I'm speaking, like I'm trying to be quiet, um, that's because that's exactly what's happening. I'm trying to be a little bit quiet. So forgive me if I sound a bit different this week. So what's been happening this week? Well, as I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I seem to always say this, I seem to always say that this week has been a really busy one, but it has. Uh, I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that my calendar is looking packed for the whole of January and February. And so this week has been another non-stop week of meetings and calls and travelling to and from clients and different locations, all whilst trying to fit in a full week of work in amongst that. And so this week has taken me to a lot of places and seen us sit down with lots of clients. And that means I haven't really taken a moment to stop and pause. And so that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to stop, pause and reflect on the week just gone. And the place that I actually want to start with is, is all about reflection. I want to talk about my ability, our ability to reflect on our problems and to understand the gravity of our so-called problems in, in the bigger scheme of things. Let me explain what I mean. At the beginning of this week, I found myself in A&E. It wasn't for me. I was with a friend and they wanted to pop into A&E to get something checked out, which thankfully turned out to be nothing serious. And they're completely fine now. But although they're fine, the lesson that I learned in A&E that evening still sits with me. Here's the thing. An hour before we were sat in that busy A&E waiting room somewhere in Wales, I had been in the office just getting on with some work. And so by time the decision was made to leave the office and take a trip to the hospital, I was very much still in work mode. By the time I got there, you know, I'd grabbed my laptop and I was ready to do some work. My plan was simple. 
to get my laptop out and sit in A&E and continue with work whilst I waited. And so I arrived, I found a seat, we sat down, I got my laptop out and I connected to the internet and nothing happened. So I tried again, I turned my Wi-Fi off and then back on and connected to the internet. Again, nothing. I repeated the process maybe three or four times each time, getting more and more frustrated. I had shit to do, and that shit felt important. And this bloody Wi-Fi was stopping me from being able to do just that. I was getting frustrated at what felt at the time like a really big fucking problem. But look, the the Wi-Fi wasn't going to connect. I couldn't get onto the internet. I had no signal in that hospital to tether to my hotspot on my phone or whatever. So I reluctantly gave up and I put my laptop away. But in putting my laptop away, it gave me a chance to to look up, to have a look around, to become more familiar with my surroundings for the first time since I'd walked through those those double doors into A&E. Now look, I, not that anything I'm about to say is going to identify uh, this this person that I saw in the A&E waiting room that evening, not least because I actually know nothing about them. But I'm still going to be cautious about how I tell the story, just to make sure that I'm taking every precaution possible, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to identify anybody here, and so that's not what I'm going to do. My laptop was closed, my head was up, and so I looked in front of me, and a few seats in front of me I saw a man. Couldn't have been much older than me. And he was sat with two women. And they didn't seem to know him particularly well. It was almost as if they were sat together through some sort of necessity and they were making polite conversation. Uh, The man's possessions were in like a clear plastic bag. And as the time passed and I was just sat there kind of drifting in and out of being half asleep, waiting around, I could hear bits and pieces of this man's conversation. He said something about a relationship that he was in having ended recently. Something about how he felt that his family just don't care about him. Something about how an immediate family member of his had recently been diagnosed with a disease. Something about his sister being in jail. Bit by bit, I could hear this man sat just a few seats in front of me, deconstructing all that was wrong with his life. He was explaining to these women who I assume were some sort of social workers the reasons why earlier that day he had seemingly made some attempt at taking his own life. Now, whatever the full story was, I will never know. But in that moment when I heard that man talking, I really fucking checked myself. There I was getting pissed off with my laptop because I couldn't connect to the internet, feeling genuinely frustrated because the work that I had planned to do was being delayed by a couple of hours, letting my emotions be controlled by some pointless, unimportant shit. And if it wasn't for that man in front of me, in his desperate situation, I wouldn't have thought twice about how fucking stupid I was allowing myself to be. There was a man who felt like he had nothing left. His situation sounded really fucking difficult. And yet he was sat there with those two women making an effort. And there was me, sat having just come from my office with my comfortable business, trying to work on my £1,500 laptop, and I was getting pissed off over an internet connection. Now, I didn't speak to the man. Um, Everything seemed okay on leaving. His family turned up. 
Uh, he seemed to be okay, and I hope he is. But look, although I didn't speak to him, I can probably guarantee something. In the situation he was in right there, he would have happily swapped his very real problems for my petty bullshit. Sitting in that hospital, seeing those people in desperate scenarios, some mentally, some physically, seeing people in in wheelchairs, in dressing gowns, in situations that we all dread, and in situations that we would do anything to remove ourselves from, it gave me something I needed. It gave me perspective. We often base our own relative experiences, our own relative happiness, our own relative level of life based on what we see around us. And so in day-to-day life, when you encounter people doing all right, your good suddenly feels not so good. And perhaps perhaps even, even more prevalently recently, when we see people on Instagram living their filtered fake quote-unquote best lives, your good life suddenly feels shit. And so between a lack of correct contrast and having too much complacency for what we currently have, we can forget just how good we have it. Or perhaps more specifically, we can forget what's important. In that moment, I had forgot what I had. I was blinded to the ridiculousness of how I was feeling about having no Wi-Fi. I was the product of having a lack of contrast for too long. But that evening in A&E stuck with me because, look, for one reason or another, we are all heading there. I will get ill one day. You will get ill one day. A family member will get ill one day. One day we will be the people sat in that A&E waiting room at one of the worst points of our lives. Thinking about just how serious a situation we're sat in the middle of. Thinking of how trivial the the things we once considered problems now are. And thinking about how we would swap everything to not be in that situation. We're all heading there. And so what I want you to take away from my trip to A&E is this. The chances are most of the things that you call problems in your life right now aren't really that major. Most of us have it all right. I have it all right. And the contrast that that evening gave me and still gives me thinking back to it is that, frankly, I'm lucky to be alive, to be healthy, to be able-bodied, to be able to get by every day. And that's before you add in all of the luxuries and privileges that I have. My point is this. All it takes is one dose of contrast for you to realise how petty most problems really are. And for you to fully embrace how lucky you are. I think I'm lucky. Are you? Okay, so the next thing that has been on my mind this week, and I know I always say this, it seems like I try and neatly segue in from point to point to point, uh, and it's it's never intentional. I really just do splurge my thoughts into a notes document on my phone throughout the week and then try and tie them together somewhat neatly at the end. So although this point is somewhat related, um, it's, it's not all that related, but it's related in the sense that it's another point to do with contrast. Contrast can make you happy or unhappy on a whim. It controls how you feel about yourself 
about those around you and how you feel about the life that you live. Uh, Something else that makes us happy or unhappy is the stories that we tell ourselves. And this is something that I was reminded about in a meeting that I had on Sunday. Uh, Somebody came into the office on Sunday to meet with me and Richard to discuss an idea. And this person has a background in therapy. And so naturally, given that I'm very curious, that got us talking, that got me asking questions and discussing topics. And one of the key topics that we discussed is the idea of the stories that we tell ourselves. How, from a young age, we're convinced that we're either confident or not confident, good-looking or ugly, smart or not smart, funny or not funny, and so on, by the stories that we and those around us tell about us. And we drill those stories into our minds until they become the truth. Those stories make us the person that we are today. Or at least the person we think we are. But the conversation that I was having on Sunday went somewhere along these lines. What if you could rewrite those stories to be somebody else? To be the person that you've always wanted to be. Perhaps even the person that you deserve to be. And the whole conversation reminded me of a book on this very subject that I read probably about 13 months ago now. It's a book called Happy, and it's written by Darren Brown. And yes, that is the same Darren Brown that you see on TV doing mad magic shit. Uh, But also, he writes books. Really interesting books. And so, given that this book came into conversation this week, and and it's, it's still something that sits with me now when I think back to it, it was a really interesting conversation. I want to talk a little bit about that book. The book goes into the philosophy and history of happiness but there are still some really interesting and I think practical ideas that can be taken from it and so what I'm going to do is talk about two of those ideas and then weave them together in some sort of way that makes sense to me hopefully so you can get the most important bits of that book without having to read it the first idea is what I just spoke about the idea that we tell ourselves stories That everything that makes you the person you are today is just a series of stories that you have convinced yourself to be true. If you think you're unconfident, for example, you've arrived at that conclusion through the stories you tell yourself. And these stories go way back to when we're young. Too young, in fact, to make assessments of our own. If, for the first five years of your life, a parent has for example, told you that you don't get involved in social situations enough or that you're unconfident, it's likely that that idea is going to stick. With that story that you're an unconfident person loaded, you're going to go through life noticing the moments in which you've lacked confidence, reinforcing the idea. So each time you're slightly less confident, that reinforces the idea that, okay, I've got this story in my mind that I'm not confident and the cycle goes on and on and on. You'll think about that time when you were treated badly but didn't say anything. The time when you didn't have the balls to tell somebody how you felt about them. And due to confirmation bias, you'll remember the moments which seem to confirm the preconceptions you've made about yourselves until they become true. Because with our limited memories, it's easy to package up life into one clear narrative rather than a complex series of contradictory events. Our brains love creating shortcuts. It's far easier to define yourself as unconfident than it is to say that 
My levels of confidence vary depending on the context of the situation and dozens of other factors. I've been known to be both confident and unconfident in the past. No, it's, it's easier to say, yeah, actually, I remember those times I was unconfident. I've been told since I was young I'm unconfident. I am an unconfident person. The punchline is that the, the stories we tell ourselves, for want of a better word, are bollocks. They're made up. We tell ourselves stories until they become true. And then we point to those true stories and say, aha, see, it's true. It happens. Of course it fucking happens. You tell yourself it's going to happen until it does. The second we understand that we can begin to consciously change the stories we tell about ourselves. We can change the narrative of our lives to live a considered life, as the book calls it. And the second idea that the book... uh, kind of the the second idea that stood out from the book when I read it comes from stoicism. And it's this idea that we only really control two things in each of our lives. They are our thoughts and our actions. You can't control the thoughts and actions of others. You can't control material possessions and so on. And so with that in mind, I'm sure you'll agree, it would be a fucking terrible idea to invest your happiness too much into anything that you don't have control over. Um, The book says, I've pulled out a quote on the topic of being able to control your own thoughts and actions. The book says that we cannot honestly state that events in the outside world cause the emotions we feel. We each react in our own way and we do so according to a quality we all share that we tell ourselves stories. And the point of that is this, that somebody else's actions can't actually explicitly rob you of your happiness. Only you can do that. If somebody cuts you up in traffic, that act alone doesn't make you angry. It doesn't make you unhappy. It's you and your thoughts that have to actively and consciously process that information and then decide that it's pissed you off. And so here's where I try and weave those two thoughts together into something that I think is worth considering on the back of the conversation I had this week. The stories we tell ourselves shape who we are, how we feel, and ultimately how we end up living our lives until the day we die. The only two things that we have control over are our thoughts and our actions. And so what if you decided to tell yourself a new set of stories? Stories which actually aligned with the kind of person you want to be and not the kind of person you've been told you are. What if you entertained the idea that external events don't regulate your happiness, but that your thoughts do? If you really embrace these ideas, at least I would argue on the back of reading the book, you're free to write your own narrative about the person you want to be and take some kind of ownership over your happiness, understanding that it's our thoughts that rob us of our happiness, not external events, to take at least some level of control over your life. Now look, I'm not suggesting that that's a fail-proof formula for happiness because the book tells you that there isn't one, but I think it's a really solid foundation to build your life upon when you consider the alternatives. And so I just want to share that because it's, it's one of the most, I would say, important life-changing books I've ever read and it happened to come up in conversation this week and so I wanted to just talk about it a little bit and also suggest that if you do have the time and you're looking for something to read uh, you do give it a read give it a read because I think that it will if I'm anything to go by change the way you look at life 
It's called Happy by Darren Brown. Okay, and then finally, I want to end on quite a reflective point. This has been quite a reflective episode. And this point is quite reflective on the past few years. And it it happened because of a meeting I had this week. And I'll be quick with this one because I don't feel like I need to make a whole lot of fuss about it for it to make sense. Long story short, on Saturday, Richard, Alex and I sat down in the meeting room of the office and we spent a few hours discussing our plans for Dream as a business in 2020. We spoke about sales and revenue targets, client accounts, the processes we need to work on, the goals we want to hit as a company this year and so on. And in doing that, we also reflected on what we've done over the past couple of years. The work, the clients, the revenue, the milestones, the growth, everything that we had built. How we've created something out of nothing and laid the foundations for a business which I genuinely believe is set to do really big things this year. And so sat in that meeting, I had a little bit of a moment. A moment where I just sat and smiled to myself, if I'm honest. And it wasn't because of any one particular thing. In fact, quite the opposite. It was because of everything. There I was, sat in our office with two people who have been along with me on this entire journey so far. And we were reflecting on everything that we had done and discussing all that we will do this year. We were taking stock of how far we've come. And I realised something. I realised that, in a way, I am literally living my dream. You'll know that if you listen to episode one of this podcast, since I was 14 and perhaps even younger, all I've ever wanted to do is run a business, to work bloody hard and build something. And finally, I'm there. I'm in a position that I have thought so much about, a position that while sitting through unengaging, boring lessons in school, I would literally daydream about. And I'm in a position that has already, and I think will continue to unlock so many possibilities for me. It was a good time to reflect. And so whilst, like I said at the beginning of this episode with the story in the hospital, I started this this week kind of foggy and frustrated over pointless shit, I ended this week feeling fortunate. And that's something that I want to take with me long into the future, because I have a funny feeling that the more fortunate you feel for what you already have, the better positioned you are to get whatever you want. And so that's it. That is for yet another week another episode of Life and Lessons. Like I always say, and I mean it every single time, thank you so much for listening. Um, It is just incredible. Like always, I won't bang on about the same things at the end of every episode, but the listener numbers, the subscriber numbers, the the engagement I get, the comments, the the messages that people send me, it's all incredible. And this isn't a one-way thing. I know that you listen through... Uh, podcasting app and I'm very much talking at you but immediately after this episode finishes like many people already do absolutely feel free to to pull out your phone to open Instagram and to drop me a message to just talk to talk about anything that I've discussed in this episode because like I always say you know this this particular podcast is about my journey but 
we're all on a journey and I think that we all have a lot in common when it comes to the things that we experience and how we see particular bits of life and so there's nothing I love more than to having conversations on the back of things I speak about in each of these episodes and so if you want to do that if you want to drop me a message about anything I've spoken about as always the best place to message me is on Instagram where my username is SpoonerSean that is S-P-O-O-N-E-R-S-E-A-N And as always, I will keep an eye out for your message. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do consider sharing it uh, either on social media or with a friend by text or WhatsApp. uh, Or, you know, just just tell somebody to listen to it in real life. I always forget that one. People actually see each other in real life and talk. Uh, It is incredible to see this grow every single week. And look, the numbers aren't a madness. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's crazy seeing an extra two or three people every single week. Uh, get involved and listen to this podcast so thank you if you have already shared and please do consider sharing this once again uh, if you've enjoyed this episode do also remember if you're not already to follow on spotify or subscribe on apple podcasts if you haven't and that means you'll be the first to listen to each episode when it drops right it is just before midnight i am very much in need of sleep so i'm going to get this episode published get to bed and then get on with living another week so that i can tell you all about it this time next week which is when i'll speak to you next so see you in a week's time for episode number seven of life and lessons see you then Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.